You're listening to Just Food, a podcast about cultivating justice and health. This is a series brought to you by the Berkeley Food Institute at the University of California, Berkeley. I'm your host, Laura Clivens, and I'm here with reporter Elisa Escarce. Hey, Laura. Today, Elisa, we're talking about bees. Bees are super important to our food system, but over the last few years, beekeepers have noticed changes in their hives. Bee colony deaths began rising nearly a decade ago, but it's now getting much worse. The the level to which you need these little flying magical insects is phenomenal. Last summer, Elisa visited some farms in Yolo County, California, just east of Sacramento. The farmers there are dealing with the bee crisis head on. So these are... These are my bees right here, and these are um, the cucumbers that they're pollinating. These cucumbers will be harvested actually fairly soon here. This field on Colin Muller's family farm in Northern California is about 150 acres with rows of ankle-high cucumber plants as far as the eye can see. So cucumbers, like many of our crops out here, require pollination. Dozens of honeybees hover above the plants and crawl in and out of their bright yellow flowers. Muller Ranch is a big commercial farming operation. Colin's grandfather started it in the 60s, and Colin's been helping out since he was a little kid. He works with his dad and uncle and cousin, and the family grows all kinds of crops. So my cousin, he does all the cucumbers, um, tomatoes, um, garlic, and the millet, and then I grow sunflowers, wheat, corn. And they grow a lot. Colin says this field alone will produce tons and tons of cucumbers. Eventually, they'll be turned into pickles. And the Briner sells things to um, Subway, um, McDonald's, Burger King. But Colin isn't focused on the cucumbers. He's concerned with the bees. Colin is the head beekeeper at Muller Ranch. And without his hives, these cucumbers will not produce a fruit. So we have cucumbers that require pollination, almonds, and all of, our, all of the summer crops pretty much are a hive and a half breaker. Getting all the plants pollinated isn't easy. Colin needs six or seven million bees to work these cucumber fields. That means more than 200 hives. And many California growers rent their beehives from commercial beekeepers, but not Colin. That's because of those bee disappearances that beekeepers started noticing in the mid-2000s. The technical term for the problem is colony collapse disorder. Scientists aren't sure what causes it, though they suspect some combination of pesticides and parasites and poor nutrition. Whatever the cause, colony collapse hit local beekeepers hard a few years ago. Colin says the price of renting honeybee hives doubled as the number of bees started to decline. And that hit Muller Ranch's bottom line. And so people were scrambling around looking for bees, offering you know more money than the guy next to them is paying for bees to see if the beekeeper would put them in their field instead. So five years ago, Colin decided to start keeping his own hives, but it didn't quite go as planned. The first year we did it, we had very, very good results. Almost no bees lost in the winter. And the second year, we lost like 90% of our hives. 90%? Yeah, 90%, which isn't unheard of. With such big losses, Colin had to start over. And things went better for him over the last couple years. He has about 1,500 hives now, enough to cover most of the farm's pollination needs. But to get to that point, he's had to watch his hives closely, making sure they don't get sick. He even feeds them sugar syrup when there aren't enough flowers around. 
So far, so good. But he and his fellow farmers aren't out of the woods yet. This issue of colony collapse, it has a lot of people worried all over the world. Over the last few years, the U.S. government has spent millions on research into honeybee health. But conservation biologist Claire Kremen says that farmers and policymakers need to look beyond the honeybee to solve this problem. Claire is a professor at the UC Berkeley School of Environmental Sciences, Policy and Management and she's an expert on pollinators. But instead of focusing on honeybees, she studies wild bees and other pollinators that are native to the areas around farms. There are these green sweat bees. They're really, really cool looking. And bumblebees. Most people are familiar with those black and yellow fuzzy bees or the big shiny carpenter bees. But in spite of that diversity of pollinators, most farms depend entirely on honeybees, which are not native to the U.S. Claire says that's made our food system really fragile. Anytime you rely on only one thing, you have no buffer. Kind of like the stock market. You know, most people recognize that investing all of their assets into a single commodity is not a wise idea. The first time Claire drove up to Yolo County was 19 years ago. Back then, she was just starting to study bees in agriculture. My first thought when I got out there was like, whoa, this is what farming looks like? For most of human history, farms were small and surrounded by wilderness, and native bees did most of the work. That's what Claire was expecting to see. And I was kind of shocked at how large the farms were, um, at how monotonous they were. These days, most farms in California have enormous fields, each of a single crop. And that's bad news for native pollinators. On the monoculture farms, um, we see a very reduced bee diversity and abundance. Most of the crops in those huge fields bloom for just a few weeks. For the rest of the year, there isn't much around for pollinators to eat. And native pollinators usually live alone in tiny underground nests. Farmers can't move them from one field to another. That's why most farmers end up doing what Colin does, hauling honeybees around from one crop to the next. It's just easier, since honeybees live in these movable hives. Over time, farmers have come to rely on them. If honeybees disappeared tomorrow, we would, we would definitely be compelled to change our farming system. We'd have to provide for the needs of native pollinators. Claire has devoted years to studying practical steps farms can take to become better homes for native pollinators. And she says the main thing is that they need to be diverse. So that means having some natural habitat or some grazing land around their farm. And then in the fields, if they can grow multiple different types of crops, then on their farm fields, if they can plant a hedgerow around most of the perimeter of the field, that will provide a lot of habitat for native pollinators. Hedgerows. They're collections of native bushes and trees that farmers plant along the edges of fields. Basically, little man-made patches of California wilderness. And they're an idea Colin Muller has been trying out on Muller Ranch. Even though Colin still relies on honeybees to pollinate his crops, he's planted four new hedgerows on his ranch over the last five years. I mean, some of the research has shown that it's helpful, and it also just kind of helps beautify the place up. The hedgerows are beautiful in a kind of rugged way. There are bushes like coyote brush and elderberries, but also grasses and tall oak trees. Each plant blooms at a different time of year, so the native bees can stick around. Colin says he's seen longhorn bees and bumblebees and carpenter bees out here, along with pollinating flies and wasps. But today they're hard to spot. Let's see, honeybee. Oh, honeybee. 
It makes me wonder, if his honeybees were to disappear again, would the native pollinators from the hedgerows be enough? I don't really know what, what we would do with that honeybees right now. I mean, every hive, you know, 30,000 bees out there, at like a native bee colony is nowhere near that, that strong. Colin has put a lot of time and resources into his hedgerows, but at this point, they're only about 5% of his land. Compared to the endless sea of cucumber plants and the hundreds of acres of sunflowers and almond trees, they're pretty small. There is one type of farm up here in Yolo County where Claire found that native bees do provide all the farmer's pollination needs. Farmers there don't rent honeybee hives at all. And it just so happens that one of those farms is owned by Colin's uncle, a man named Paul Muller. He grew up on Muller Ranch before he decided to go his own way. When we first started, my wife and I, we realized we wanted to grow organically, so we decided we'd start our own farm. And so we went with the principle of diversity. Paul's place is called Full Belly Farm. It's just 30 minutes up the road from Muller Ranch, but the landscape is different. Endless, flat crop fields are replaced by hills covered in trees. So this is a field of our early melons. There's probably 12 different varieties of melons out here, and you can see it's not a huge planting of melons. Walking around the farm, the differences are striking. That melon field, it's just about four acres. The other fields are small too, and the crops alternate quickly. There's a chicken coop and an orchard nearby, and each bit is surrounded by hedgerows. A lot of this produce will be sold at farmer's markets and in restaurants. Um, so out here there's, there's uh, snapdragons and godetia and, 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 and zinnias and sweet williams and, and cornflowers and larkspur and um, just a real mix of flowers. There are about two acres of flowers. The farm sells them fresh over the summer, and Paul's co-workers turn them into dried wreaths during the cold months. But before they go to market, these blooms help provide nectar for native pollinators. Paul leads me through the rows, hunting for a native bee. And then we spot one, a fuzzy native bumblebee. So again, you, you know, it's so, so funny what, what, be, what bees will like. So here's a, a big open flower that this, this bee is preferring. And he just flew off there, but he was a big fat guy. There are also a lot of honeybees crawling around. Paul says they're probably visitors from nearby farms or feral bees living on their own in the wild. Claire Crumman spent a few years studying the pollinators here at Full Belly. Pollination is not an issue for them. They got 100% of their needs met by the native pollinators, but they got something like 200% of their needs met by the honeybees that were also there. Because of that, Claire says the farm would probably do fine if honeybees disappeared. But when I ask him about it, Paul hesitates. To speculate on that is, is a really hard one because um, um, I see there's a lot of resilience, even with colony collapse, there's a lot of resilience in these life forms. Paul says the whole farm is designed to be resilient, and not just in terms of pollinators. The hedgerows, for example, they also provide a home for creatures that eat pests. Thanks to that, the farm doesn't have to use pesticides. We're doing the things that are making the system biologically a little more stable and a little healthier. And if you don't, you're going to see things like um, honeybees disappearing and, we, and then an argument over why they're doing so. And I think it's, it's the, the culprit is the whole system. We are missing the big picture sometimes in agriculture. Colin Muller devotes a lot of his time to bees checking on honeybee hives, trying to keep them healthy, planting new hedgerows each year. And I wonder, why not do what his uncle Paul does? 
set things up so that native bees can do the work on their own. He pauses for a second and then says it's just way more expensive. Paul can afford to do what he does because he sells his crops at higher prices. We grow food that produced um, as efficiently as possible. 90% of it goes to some place that cans it or, or brines it. Food would be very expensive if we were to grow it like Paul grows it. Colin says he does worry sometimes that people demonize farmers like him. You know, big industrial farmers, for what they're doing to bees. Muller Ranch has taken a lot of steps to be more sustainable. But sometimes Colin says they just have to use chemicals like pesticides. It's like our trees get sick and sometimes there's, that's the only thing you can do. At least on our farm, we do it at night when the bees aren't around or we do it before the, the trees flower so there's no bees in the field. We're also the ones that, that depend on the bees. So it's like, why would we want to kill something that makes us, you know, makes us our money pretty much. For now, he plans to keep raising his honeybees and keep planting hedgerows and hope for the best. Thanks for that story, Elisa. So now that you've visited these two farms, what do you think? Are native bees a viable alternative for farmers? So, yeah, at Full Belly Farm, it's pretty clear that native pollinators can do a lot of the work. But it's also complicated. Could we get all the pickles we want using only native bees? I don't know. It sounds like we'd have to make some pretty drastic changes to our whole farming system. Yeah, we would if we wanted to rely just on natives. But the kind of stuff Colin is doing, like planting hedgerows and being more careful with pesticides, it also makes a difference. It definitely increases the number of native pollinators, even if it's not enough to cover the whole farm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So there's a range of things farmers can do, even if they don't totally transform their farms. Exactly. You are listening to Just Food, a podcast about cultivating justice and health. This is a production of the Berkeley Food Institute. For more information about the Institute and Claire Kremen's lab, visit food.berkeley.edu. This episode of Just Food is produced by Lacey Jane Roberts and Elisa Escarce. The music is by Roy Burrell, and I'm Laura Clivens. Thanks for listening. <laughs>